0: I invite you to stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel this day. Our gospel is taken from Matthew, the 20th chapter. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked a favor of him. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Declare that these two sons of mine will sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will indeed drink my cup. But to sit at my right right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. When the ten heard it, they were angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. It's good to be together in this place. Let's bow our heads and start with a word of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. As Pastor James noted in the announcements, today is the 10th year since the ELCA first encouraged congregations across our nation to come together on the same day to serve outside their walls, seeking to help neighbors in their communities in what we know as God's work, our hands day. In 2013, when it was introduced, it was as a way to mark the 25th anniversary of the ELCA's formation. In a recent Living Lutheran, Bishop Elizabeth Eaton said this about God's work, our hands." This Sunday is one of the ways in, one of the ways in which we live out our purpose to invite more people to know Jesus and to discover community, justice and love. When one congregation gathers to serve its neighbors, they are one church helping their community. But this is also the entire church. This is how we are church together responding to God's call to love and serve. Serving together. Serving in the community beyond the congregation. Serving those on the margins of our community. These are essential elements of faithful discipleship. God's work our hands day is but one single day in the year. You know that we are called and we are sent to love our neighbors daily as a faithful response to God's grace. And we'll come back to the daily peace or lifestyle of service later. But Scripture is brimming with passages from prophets, apostles, and Jesus himself calling us, sending us out to serve others. I selected three readings today as a sampler, if you will, of Scripture readings that teach us that serving our neighbor is essential in faithfully following Jesus. The reading from Micah, it's set up kind of like a courtroom scene and Mitch read it so well. In this familiar passage, the prophet's calling God's calling out God's people for their focus on ritual and going through the motions with their religious practices while neglecting fairness, equality, mercy, and humility. What the prophet calls for does not earn God's favor. Rather, the prophet calls them out, saying these actions are the faithful response to the persistent love that God has shown God's people throughout their repeated failures, well-documented in the Old Testament, to worship only God. In part, I think it's an example of the law and gospel balance in our Lutheran theology and perspective of faith. God has given us the law as a gift, as a gift to keep us in a healthy relationship with God and one another, to guide us in that covenant that God first made with Abraham and then with Moses and the people on Mount Sinai. The good, new, <clears throat> the good news or the gospel of this gift and what God does for us creates in us the desire, the motivation to give thanks. And our good works are rooted in this good news of God's unfailing love for us, so we can get up, dust ourselves off when we've done wrong, and move forward again to glorify and show our faith in God. Then the reading from James that Marion read for us. I think James is an epistle that's focused primarily on practical ramifications of faith in Jesus the writer encourages us throughout the letter to be hearers and doers of the word. Faith in the saving work of God through Jesus Christ elicits and is revealed in the specific acts of love and care that helps sustain and uplift our neighbors in their time of need and care for our community. What we do is a living testimony to what we believe. Our lives point to the one we follow. As others may have heard it said, you may be the only Bible some people ever read. Now, Luther didn't think very highly of the epistle of James. In fact, he wanted to pull it out of the canon. But the writer seems to explicate how Lutherans understand the necessity of serving others. We don't serve in order to please God. We don't serve to make God like us or love us or to earn God's favor. Rather, we love and serve our neighbor precisely because of our deep faith and thanksgiving for the gift of forgiveness and salvation that's been freely given to us that we don't deserve through Jesus Christ. Serving is our response to God's grace. Our response that brings us, keeps us, and invites others into that covenant relationship of salvation and grace with God. I think about James, James's words this way whenever I'm thinking about investing my time or energy or money in supporting any charitable organization or a cause I have to believe in that mission or the purpose of that organization and then I'm willing to invest and serve James simply says that our faith in Jesus, if it's real faith and deeply felt, compels us to love and to serve the needs of our neighbors in whatever ways we are able to do this. Many of us growing up have sung the truth in this familiar refrain. They'll know we are Christians. How? By our love. I knew you knew that song. By our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Our love for them, for others, for the ones that society has cast off. And then the gospel reading, Matthew 20. As the men's Bible study, I told them there was, something was going to show up in the sermon today. Um, as they discussed this complex text, A realization crystallized in our conversation, at least for me. This is almost a parable of two churches, if you will. The mother of James and John comes and makes her request for seats of honor for her sons, the right and left hands of Jesus. Now, she, like so many others, had the wrong understanding of Messiah. They're still thinking conquering hero, king like David. So she makes that request to sit at those two places of honor for James and John. And, I th- and her request comes with the view of Messiah as that conquering hero who's going to drive out the hated Romans and reestablish the glory of David's kingdom and reign. And in my mind, her request represents the institutional church. An institutional church that's structured and ordered and has clearly defined hierarchy is rooted in tradition sometimes so much that that tradition acts more like an anchor that holds the church back. And sometimes the institution, like every institution sometimes, may appear to exist solely to perpetuate itself, its organization and structure. And it probably came to the fore after Emperor Constantine converted and proclaimed Christianity to be the state religion. It moved from that movement below ground and, and everything, helping those in the fringes to prominence and stature and organization. But the response of Jesus to his disciples, as Jesus often did, flips this traditional, institutional, religious practice on its head. He said, "...whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man..." And that's the name that Jesus most often used to refer to himself, and it refers back to an image in Daniel. "...just as the Son of Man..." came not to be served but to serve so no longer is greatness prestige honor and glory or power found in a hierarchical organization that's created and organized by humans for humans often rather jesus says greatness is found in humbling ourselves serving those around us so Jesus, I see here, is sending followers, sending us out as a movement, not an institution. When we talk about the church as always reforming, always changing, always in motion to keep up with the times and serve others in their need. In my mind, this directly connects back with last week's gospel where Jesus told his disciples, If we want to follow him, we have to take up our cross and follow him. And one reading of our cross is simply whatever the cost might be for us individually or corporately in choosing to act on our faith in Jesus, to follow him, to serve our neighbor, no matter what the pressures, the cost, the implications may be in the surrounding culture. We've all probably heard the term servant leader as a reference to someone who leads by example, someone who's willing to roll up their sleeves and dive into the nitty-gritty work or ministry as opposed to sitting back aloof, apart with clean hands from task. Jesus calls us all to servant leadership and Jesus models it for us. Remember the last meal that Jesus shared with his disciples in the Gospel of John? Remember how he got a towel and a basin of water and then he washed the grubby, sweaty, smelly feet of his disciples? Then he unpacked it for them because they were astounded because that was the lowest job of a household servant. And Jesus had done it to them. He says, If I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, You are blessed if you do them. You are blessed if you do them. We know well the teachings, the example of Jesus. If we do those things Jesus taught and modeled, we are serving people beyond the walls of St. John's. We are serving our neighbors, scratching out a living on the margins of our community. We are partnering with others in communities around the globe for the betterment and to make positive change in those places. We are caring for the immediate existential needs while seeking systemic solutions to those problems. We at St. John's are a living movement of Jesus followers based out of this facility. As we follow the example, the teachings of Jesus and encourage one another in this lifestyle more and more, this lifestyle of faith, it becomes our lifestyle individually and together of daily discipleship. It becomes our living witness that attracts others to this movement rather than an institution. Today, we join with congregations across the ELCA on this day of serving our community. We don't have a huge project, granted, but it is only one single day, and we have 364 more days to live out our faith, to be a part of the movement that God has called St. John's to be. Serving beyond the bounds of a congregation is a powerful sign of a vibrant congregation. Now, to the casual passerby here in Salisbury, this historic edifice might appear to house a very institutional congregation. But you open the doors and come in, look around, the abundance and the breadth of ministries within and beyond, proclaim rather that these buildings are just the home base for countless ministries serving others, corporately and individually. Ministries which in some way shape or form and involve almost every member of this congregation. This historic building houses a history-making, life-changing movement known as St. John's Lutheran Church. Consider just for a moment the ministries in which you are currently active or have been involved through the years. Time changes and we're not able to do everything we could, but think about all those things. In the past, support, resources, prayer, hands-on engagement. I toyed with the idea of uh, a laundry list of those things, but uh, we do have time constraints. And, uh, and the list just got so long and, and overwhelming, astounding to me. Um, and it just bore out the fact that this is a living, breathing movement of faithful disciples. And that's a great thing. Today, our God's work, our hands project will benefit Rowan Meals on Wheels as we help feed our neighbors. Next Sunday, we'll hear Hannah nadal Giron about the life-changing education ministry that we share in Guatemala. Soon, you'll receive a stewardship booklet that lifts up Many more ministries, not all of them, so just there's not enough room, but many more ministries where we share in bringing our discipleship to life by serving our neighbors. And I hope it and this stewardship time this fall will be an inspiring reminder and an enticing invitation for you to join in serving others and thankful recognition of the saving grace of God given to us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you pour out so much abundant grace, forgiveness, and give us that gift of salvation that frees us from the burden of guilt and sin. Stir up your spirit within us each and every day. That we might faithfully respond in faith, in words and actions and deeds of loving kindness, compassion, and mercy for neighbors who long to experience your touch in their lives. Continue to make this place a movement of the gospel, a movement of care and compassion, witnessing to Christ faithfully. We count on you, Lord. Go with us, empower us, and guide us. We pray it in Christ's name, amen.